I think that's where a lot of people go go bad with a pup. They throw them in a pen and just throw feed to them every day. And to me, you got to make a connection with them. Some guys don't agree with me on that, but I think you got to have a good bond with a dog. It's real simple, I think, with a pup, and a lot of people don't understand it. When a pup is ready to start, it will start. You can't force a pup to start, and you can't force a pup to treat. It has to do it on its own. Hello and welcome to the first episode of the Stark Outdoors podcast. I'll be your host, Clayton Stark. And my plans with this podcast are mostly just to feature most of my content and a lot of my experiences throughout the week, whether it be pup training or, or any events I'll be attending or doing some Q&As because I get a lot of questions every week on all my other social media pages and YouTube channel with regards to anything related to hound hunting. So instead of answering all your questions in text and taking all my time staring at my phone, I wanted to be able to just just sit down and answer your questions and give you my thoughts on what I think and hopefully help some of you out there. I'm sure a lot of you are new out there to my content, so I'll just introduce myself briefly so you can kind of get a feel for who I am. As I said earlier, my name's Clayton Stark. I was raised coon hunting and squirrel hunting from a really early age. I think the first time I went, I was about four years old. My dad took me coon hunting with a walker male he had named Flash. It was actually a grandson to Lipper. He was a really good dog. He was super accurate, really hard hunting, and really, really loud like most Lipper dogs. So that was my first experience to hound hunting. And from then on, I was hooked. I think that really helps when you're first getting into it or you can get a young kid into it, giving them a great experience off the bat. Don't take them out with junk or necessarily a pup or something that's not going to do much. If you have a finished dog or know someone that has a finished dog and you can take them out in the woods and give them a great experience, I think they're going to stick with it a lot longer. But that was my first experience was a high quality walker dog. But we also had blue ticks and other breeds too. We weren't just stuck on one breed like some people are. I'm not opposed to hunting anything there is. My biggest concern with any dog I'm hunting, no matter the breed, is when I unsnap it, that there's eyes looking down at me when I cut it loose. And just to expand a little bit more about my dad getting me involved in coon hunting, his dad would be my grandpa. His name was Rupert. He actually owned a farm not far from where I live, and he hunted red bones. That was close to 100 years now. My dad's in his mid-70s, but my grandpa hunted red bones and farmed and had some pretty good dogs. My dad and his brothers would get together, especially around the holidays as they got older, and just go pleasure hunt and have a good time. And that was most of my upbringing was just pleasure hunting. I was never much of a competition hunter and really into competition hunting. I'm not opposed to competition hunts at all. I just love coon hunting. Anytime I can do it, anywhere I can do it, I'll do it. I also squirrel hunt with dogs. As a kid, we squirrel hunted with hounds also. We actually had a blue tick that was a really good combo dog. He was a good coon dog and squirrel dog. And that's how dad started a lot of his pups. He would take me and one of the pups out during the daytime and just kind of get them acclimated to the woods and walk them around. And every once in a while, they tree a squirrel in the daytime. And that's how a lot of dogs start. They start treeing off game early on as pups. And then as they get older and mature and you can single them out more, they start becoming more just strictly coon dogs. So that's some of my experiences as a kid with my family going coon hunting. Some more experiences include going hunting with my dad and some, a couple of his brothers and some of our close coon hunting friends. We'd get together, there'd be about four or five of us, and we'd just go pleasure hunt. Those guys that were really influential on me early on was Ross Boland and his brother Ned Boland. Ned is actually married to my aunt, so I consider these guys family, but they really are family too. 
Charlie Suffrage is also a family friend of ours that we coon hunted a lot with. And another guy we coon hunted a lot with was Charlie Clay. All these guys lived within about 15 minutes of our house, so we'd kind of just meet up somewhere. And back then, we had CBs in our trucks, so we would just contact each other on the CB radio in the truck and meet up and go coon hunt. And just to give you a little bit more background about the type of dogs I hunted with as a kid, Charlie Clay, the guy I mentioned earlier that was a close family friend of ours, he hunted mostly walkers, but he also had a good cur dog that was named Rowdy. So Charlie Clay, he hunted some pretty good walkers. And Charlie Suffrage was the other family friend that we went hunting with quite a bit. He hunted blue ticks for the most part. He had some pretty good blue ticks back in the day. Two of his blue ticks I can still remember. One of them was named Al and the other one was named Sadie. There were some pretty good dogs. And then Ned Boland, he hunted red bones. He loves red bones. So I got to see some red bones go when I was a kid. And Ross Boland loves black and tans. He had a lot of really good black and tans back in the day. So I got a good mix of all breeds, really English dogs are the ones I don't have as much experience with. I'm not opposed to hunting with them. It's just growing up and the people I hunt with most of the time had blue ticks, walkers, or black and tans, or red bones. So that was most of my younger years was just spent pleasure hunting with all those guys. And we would go to Autumn Oaks and a lot of the big events. We wouldn't compete, but we'd just go and get supplies that we needed and just kind of hang out and talk to people just because we love coon hunting and it was a lot of fun. And I encourage you guys, if you ever get a chance to go to Autumn Oaks or any of these big events that UKC holds especially, to check them out. Because if you need anything, that's where you find a lot of great deals in person. Sometimes you can't find on the internet. And you can meet some great people and get a good deal on some dogs. So that's some of the influential men in my life that got me into coon hunting and hunting with dogs in general. And as always, if you ever have any questions on anything I say or post or anything, I know you can't really comment on here and ask, but I have a Facebook page, Clayton Stark at Stark Outdoors. And an Instagram page, Stark underscore Outdoors, and then my YouTube channel titled Clayton Stark. But if you just look up Stark Outdoors, you can find that as well. Feel free to comment or message or ask me on there, and I'll either address it on there or address it on the podcast. Now I'm going to expand a little bit on my other social media pages I just mentioned. A lot of people ask me what got me into filming my hunts and some of my dogs. My dad's in his mid-70s now, and he's a Vietnam veteran, so he doesn't get around as good as he used to. And it really bothers him that he can't hunt like he used to, so... As he started getting older, he still had some really good dogs that I wanted to make sure he could still hear and see go. So I decided to start recording and filming my videos, and I would just post them to YouTube. And you can see on there, I've been posting them to YouTube for like 10 years. Nothing consistent. I've only really been consistent for about the last year. But that's initially what got me interested in filming my hunts, is just, is just letting my dad see and hear his dogs go. And I'm sure all of you out there, too, that have been doing this for any amount of time have had a really good dog that you hunted for... 10 to 12 years and had tons of memories with and just wish you could hear or see it go one more time. And we all experienced that. And I experienced that a lot as a kid because we had a lot of really good dogs and they don't live forever. So I felt that recording them and making quality videos of them was a great way to preserve their memories. And that way you can look back on and show your kids. I have two children now. And as you heard the dogs opening in the intro, most of those dogs are long gone now. I can pull up a video and show my son exactly what I'm talking about. And he can see what that dog looked like and how he hunted and just relate to it more. And then I can have that memory forever. So if any of you out there have a really good dog that you enjoy hunting with, and you know one day you're really going to miss it. Everyone has cell phones nowadays. I encourage you to at least record a little bit of it opening or barking or on the tree or something. That way you have something to cherish forever when they're gone. I'm sure some of you are wondering who the dogs were in the intro. And if you see my videos of the dog named Copper, it's mostly him, the ball mouth dog. He actually just passed away this last May. He was a really good male with track man blood. So I have a lot of videos of him on my YouTube channel if you want to check that out. They were posted a long time ago, so you have to dig for them a little bit, but they're on there. If you just look up Stark Outdoors, Copper, it should bring something up. I know a lot of people out there have some strong opinions about track man blood and, and a lot of people complain about it, but 
in my experience, the dogs I've hunted with that have Trackman blood have been great dogs, and they're some of my favorite dogs I've had. And I don't know how anyone can accurately say what a dog can do if it has 3,000 puppies on the ground. That's a ton of different variables. And I'm sure just like any dog, if you breed them that many times and have that many puppies on the ground, some of them are going to be bad. But the ones I have experience with were some of the best dogs I've ever hunted with. So if you hate Trackman blood or any blood, Lipper blood, whatever, if you hate something... I'm sorry you had a bad experience with it, but just because you had a bad experience with a certain bloodline doesn't mean they're all bad. And that's just my opinion. I just kind of go off of what I actually see and what my experiences are. I don't listen to a lot of other people's opinions when it comes to dogs necessarily because everyone's thoughts and standards are way different. Someone that hasn't had very good dogs might not know what a good dog is. And someone that's had some of the best dogs in the world might look down on some pretty good dogs too. So it's all about perspective and, and just what suits you and your preferences. There's good and bad in every breed. And to talk about the other dog in the intro, the one that was more of a chop mouth tree dog, about halfway through the intro, that's my female named Sheppy. She's actually going to be turning 11 soon. She's still alive, but she's getting old. I'll probably get her out one of these days once it's not super cold and make a video about her. She's actually a really good combo dog. I have plenty of coonut videos of her on there if you want to check them out on my YouTube channel. And she's also a really good squirrel dog too if you want to check her out on my YouTube channel. And the two audio clips from the intro, the first one is Birchall Davis, the owner of AKC World Champion Frogger. And the second audio clip is Ricky Bryant, the handler of UKC World Champion Lumber Joe. And those are from the first two episodes of my Houndsman Spotlight series. You guys seem to really enjoy those, so if you haven't checked them out, I encourage you to check them out. But that's where I travel around the country and meet up with the top handlers and dogs and make eye quality video just showing what the dogs can actually do. And, I, and while we're out hunting, I also ask questions and interview the people that own the dogs just kind of get a little bit of background information on the dog or just talk training methods or what worked because I think it's very beneficial if you have some of the top stud dogs right now that people actually know what works for that bloodline with regards to training because I feel like people just see champion on papers and think that they can just grab it and do whatever they want and it'll turn out. When some dogs start at certain ages and different times with different methods, I think if a line of dogs starts really consistent at like six to eight months old, that's great information to know. Just like if there's a line of dogs that doesn't start until they're about 14 or 15 months old, that way you don't get frustrated and don't expect too much and you know what you're getting. It's also interesting to see some of these guys that never even met each other before, but they end up at the top of the coon hunting competition world. Some of the questions I ask them, they have very similar, if not the exact same opinions and answers on it. So that's pretty neat to see. And I feel as with this series expanding and the longer it goes, the more data I'll have to draw from. And you can see some of the similarities and differences. And I think you'll have a really good idea of how to start and train a coon dog. I could do what a lot of other people do and just give you my opinion about what works for me and what my individual experiences. Because I feel that with anything, if there's someone out there telling you that their way is the only way that works, and that's the way you have to do it. And the, every other way is wrong. I don't really agree with that because every person is different. Everyone has a different personality. Everyone has a different schedule, so they can't hunt as much as others necessarily. And every individual dog is different too. So for someone to sit there and tell you that you have to start or train a dog this way and all dogs do this, kind of tells me that they haven't really branched out or they really haven't been doing it for a long time. Because if you've been doing this for a while, you know that every dog has quirks and every dog is individually different. You can't treat them all the exact same. So that's kind of what I try and do with my content is reach out to other people and see how they're doing it to help me and help you guys become better dog trainers and handlers. I'll still show you guys what works for me and 
I'll answer your questions, but I feel the only way I can get better as a houndsman and help you guys too is expand a little bit and see what other people are doing and see what works for them also. That's really the only way you can get better at anything is just accept that you're not the best and that you don't know everything in the world and kind of reach out and learn and take what works for other people and add it to your arsenal. And as a lot of you know, I don't hunt just hounds too. I also hunt curs. So it's neat to see some of the hound guys and cur guys and some of what they do similar and how they do things differently also. So that's a little bit about my Houndsman Spotlight series. And that's what I want to do more with my YouTube channel is actually show you some of the best dogs and hunters in the world hunt and actually show you what actually happens in the woods, not just talk about it. I know a lot of you out there always ask my opinion and ask them about my dogs as well. So I figured a podcast would be a good place to address those and just kind of keep you guys updated. So just to give you a little bit of an idea of what I plan on doing with this podcast. So it'll probably just mostly me talking about what happened this previous week and answering your questions. And later on, if this is successful and there are people actually interested in coming on and want to do a podcast, I'm not opposed to it, but there's already plenty of really great podcasts out there where they do interviews and talk to some of the most well-known breeders and hunters in the world. And I encourage you to go out there and check out those other podcasts because they're really great sources of information. I just feel like there's already some really great podcasts out there that do that type of thing. I wanted mine to be a little bit more different and have more of the interactions with other people be more in video format where you can actually see and get a feel for the other people and their dogs. To me, that's kind of the direction I see things going anyways. I know a lot of people, including myself, love the magazines like the American Cooner or the Full Cry, and I still subscribe to them and get their issues every month. And my Mountain Courage Jacks is actually going to be on February's issue of Full Cry. So I encourage you guys to stay subscribed to those or subscribe if you haven't because it's good resources of information and it's nice to have physical hard copies of stuff like that to look at. But I also feel like in this day and age that we have the equipment and ability to show you the dogs actually work and listen to them in the woods instead of just reading an ad that says super loud or does this or does that you can actually physically see it with your own eyes and also get a feel for the owner because because in my opinion you can tell a lot about a dog and its success rate and maybe its ability to reproduce and kind of the direction it's going by the people who own it and promote it if you can get to know the owners and handlers and tell that they're really great people and they're honest then I'd be more likely to get a pup from them because you probably have a higher turnout rate and just be happier with the outcome overall. And I'm pretty close with a lot of people that are pretty good competition hunters and have really good successful dogs. So I really like going hunting with them and filming them and showcasing their dogs for them. As a kid, I always loved looking at the stud ads and all the magazines and that influenced me a lot, just the visual appeal of the dogs on the tree. And that's kind of another thing that got me into filming and taking pictures of my hunts. So I kind of want to do that with my YouTube channel is kind of get that feel for that, showing those dogs doing what they're supposed to, but in more of a modern form. So if you want more of me and more of my opinions, that's what the podcast will be for. And if you want a mix of my dogs and some of my experiences, as well as the top hunters and handlers and dogs in the world, that'll be more of my YouTube channel. I'll actually be covering some events for UKC coming up in 2022, so be on the lookout for that. In March, I'm going to be going to the UKC World Feist Hunt and covering that for the UKC. So you'll get to see some world-class squirrel dogs there too. And then coming up in 2022, I'm also going to get together with Ed and Scott Bates and Scott Engel and... John Strickland and John Steber and hunt with some English and walkers and blue ticks. And if any of you are familiar with the coon hunting world at all, you'll really recognize a lot of those names because the, all those men have had really great coon outs over the years. I'll be going hunting with them and actually making videos of their current dogs, and I'll interview them about their dogs of the past as well. Ed Bates had some world-class English dogs. Scott Engel has world-class walker dogs, and 
John Strickland has Big Country and has world-class Walker Dogs as well. And John Steber has a world-class Blue Tick named Lonesome too. And then also coming up in a couple weeks, actually, hopefully it's not too cold or we don't have a blizzard then, but, but I'll be having some guys come up and go squirrel hunting with me. Alan Franklin, Kenny Smith, and Adam Loudon are all going to be coming up. There's some pretty popular guys in the cur dog world. They've had some world-class cur dogs over the years, so I'm sure we're going to tree a ton of squirrels. We had a really good acorn crop this year, and there's a ton of squirrels everywhere. So I'm sure they'll be bringing some cur dog power, and there'll be some really good squirrel hunts coming soon. I'll probably also pick their brain a little bit during the hunt and just give you guys some more information about training and raising squirrel dogs. That's a few of my hunts from 2022 I plan on doing for my Houndsman Spotlight series. I'll also be getting together with Rob Fry and Kenny Boughton to hunt with some of their top stud dogs. Some of their dogs they own include Reason and Insane Game Warden. I'm sure a lot of you out there know those dogs as well. And if you don't know those dogs, make sure you get on Facebook and join their Facebook group. Rob Fry actually has a hound hauling business where he drives around and hauls dogs for people. So I'm sure a lot of you know him out there, and I actually know him pretty well. So we're going to get together and do a Hansman Spotlight series about some of his dogs. So that's a few of my plans coming up in early 2022. I'm sure there'll be more as the year goes on, but that's just what I have scheduled now. I don't want to overbook myself because that's a lot of traveling and a lot of editing. And I also want to be able to keep doing this podcast. So make sure if you enjoy my content, you like and subscribe to all of it to help me continue doing what I love and hopefully bring you guys some good coon hunting content. Now that I introduce myself and a little bit of my content and some of my plans coming up, I'll discuss more about some of the current dogs that I actually own myself. Like I said, I'm sure a lot of you listening out here are already aware of this because you watch my YouTube stuff and I post it all the time, but I own a mountain cur named Starks Jacks. He's actually a son of Thundersport. Thundersport's a really popular mountain cur. I got him from Alan Franklin six years ago. His mom is jukebox breeding. I got him six years ago, and from the time I got him home until now, he's lived in the house. He is pretty much instantly housebroken when I got him. I kept him in a pet carrier in the house at night just to make sure he wouldn't tear up the house or go to the bathroom in the house. And then in the morning, I'd let him outside, and he'd go to the bathroom outside, and he, then he'd come right back in. So I knew he was pretty smart because anytime a dog can do that and not actually go in their pet carrier, that's a pretty good sign. So house training him is really easy, and a lot of people don't think you can have good dogs in the house, but he's living proof that you can. And I actually started taking him to the woods as soon as I got him. The following day after I got him home, I actually just walked him around the woods behind the house. And he would actually run around and kind of venture out a little bit. So I knew I should probably wait a little bit until he was old enough to put a tracking collar on him because I didn't want to lose him. Because at the time, he was only about 10 weeks old. So then a couple months went by and he was about three and a half, four months old probably. And I started hunting him in the daytime some. And it wasn't long before he started opening up a little bit. And the first time I thought about coon hunting, it was actually during coon season. I took my walker female named Sheppy out, the dog from the intro, and treed a coon and knocked it out to her. And I brought it home. And when I got home, I laid a drag outside with it and hung it up a tree. And it was in, in the dark, so I know he wasn't going to see it. And then I went in the house and got him and turned him loose. And his nose hit that track, and he followed it all the way to the tree and started treeing it in the yard. So I was pretty surprised that a pup that young that's never seen a coon and Definitely couldn't see it because it was dark, ran it and treat it. So I started hunting them at night more and he really started coming on as a coon dog. It's an old video and my dad was actually with me, but I took him hunting in a small woods that I usually train pups in when he was five months old. I turned him loose. He ran down the lane about a hundred yards, opened a couple times and started treeing. Me and dad just kind of looked at each other, kind of shocked because he was just turned five months old. He was just a little, little pup and he was in there just treeing. So me and dad walked in there and looked up and he had two coon in a tree. And this was in the wintertime too. It wasn't like in the spring where there's coon everywhere, but there was coon moving that night, obviously. And he did a really good job. And from that night on, I knew I had something really special. And then from then on, after that night, he just treated coon every time I took him out. And still to this day, every time I take him out, it doesn't matter the time of year, or the conditions, 
He'll tree a coon no matter where you put him. He's also a pretty good squirrel dog too. I just didn't squirrel hunt him much when he was a pup because he did so great on coon. I was pretty set on getting him finished as a coon dog. And then I started switching him to squirrel, just hunting him in the daytime. Didn't really do any training with him. I just started hunting him in the daytime and he started treeing squirrels. That's in my experience, if you're going to have a combo dog, you don't really have to train them on both. If you can just get them treeing one consistently, then just take them out either in the daytime or nighttime, whatever is the opposite of what he's doing, he'll just start doing it naturally. So that's just kind of what I did with him. And if any of you are interested in seeing any of his hunts, I have it all documented on Facebook and Instagram and my YouTube channel, just like everything else. So that's my mountain cur named Jax. I also have a mountain cur female named Minnie. She's also out of Thunder Sport. She was actually given to me by Rob Fry. She's a smaller built female, but she's a really good squirrel dog. I have a few videos of her on my YouTube channel as well. I also have a treeing cur, which is a cur that has some hound in it. This cur's name is Smoke. His grandpa was actually a walker dog. He's a really smart dog and he's a really good tree dog. Then my walker female named Sheppy, she's 11. She's kind of old, but I already talked about her earlier. And then my walker pup named Cece. She's actually my son. She was given to me by our friend Matt Bebout. She's a granddaughter to track rat. She's a beautiful young dog and she's really coming on now. She was kind of a slow starter, but I think most of that is due to the fact that she broke her leg when she was about five months old. So we had to deal with that for a few months and get her healthy. I also made a video of that and kind of her journey coming through that too on my YouTube channel. But, but she really started coming on back in December. Early in December, she started running tracks for the first time and then actually treat a few coon towards the middle and late December. I've been wanting to get her out more, but the past few days, it's been about zero degrees and there's a lot of ice on the ground. It's not even snow. It's really rough ice. And the temperature don't really bother me much because when you get in the woods, there's no wind and she wants to go. She barks nonstop at night wanting to go. But I know the tracking ain't going to be very good right now and... And you really have to be careful when there's heavy ice because if you're hunting anywhere near water, a dog could break through the ice and go in the water and get hurt or killed or just on their paws. If they're out running around on the ice, they can really cut up their paws. So you got to really pay attention to the weather. And the way the weather's been this year, just because I haven't hunted the past few days doesn't mean I can't the next. The lows have been around zero, but then the highs sometimes get up around 40. So it really just depends on what day of the week. You kind of have to pick and choose when you go because some nights... It'll be 30 degrees and warm, or it could be frigid and icy. Those are some of the dogs I have, some of the younger dogs I'm hunting, and some of the older dogs I'm hunting. And like I said before, you can see all them on my YouTube channel. And now I'm going to go through and answer some of you guys' questions because I get tons of questions every week. So make sure if you have any other questions that you want addressed in next week's episode of the Stark Outdoors podcast, just make sure you reach out to me and my other social media platforms where you can contact me and ask me any questions, whether it's training advice, anything with my experiences or about me or whatever you want, just ask and I'll read them out and give you my opinion on here. All right, the first question comes from Jake Henskin from Instagram. He wants to know how someone could get involved with coon hunting if they don't have anyone close to them that coon hunts. And my advice to him or anyone looking to get involved with it is to go out and find a local coon club. You can check online for schedules for events. Go to UKC's website and look at their events. Or in the coon hound magazines, they have a list of events. And just find something close to you and go attend one of these events. At most of the bigger events, there's a lot of vendors and just people hanging out that you can talk to. And a lot of people are eager to take a young person or a new person out just to help the sport grow. And even at the local events during a competition hunt, there's people that just hang out at the club and wait for the event to be over. They're kind of overseeing the event. So at these events, it's not just competition hunters. There's also people there as well you can talk to. There's also a ton of Facebook groups where you can get on there and ask if anyone lives close to you and... Try and be safe about it, but try and set up a meetup where you can get together and kind of see what it's all about. In my experience, most coon hunters are some of the best people around. So if you get hooked up with the right people, you might end up with a nice dog. 
This actually brings up a really good point in my life. Most of the dogs I hunt, I'd say about 98% of the dogs I've hunted in my life were actually given to me by close family friends. So if you get hooked up with the right people that are good, honest people, you can get really quality dogs for cheap or free. So that's my advice to you. If you want to get involved with it, go to a local club, go to a bigger event, reach out to people on Facebook and just get out there because I'm sure people will be more than happy to take a younger person or a newer person out coon hunting. All right, the next question is from 740WHUX on Instagram. They asked me how to correct a young dog from slick treeing. That's a pretty complex question because I'm not saying this person is doing it, but a lot of people assume dogs that tree squirrels at night are slick treeing. People also, if they're hunting this time of year when the boars are rutting and they're tapping trees and running along tracks, make it a lot more likely for a younger dog to slick tree. And then, of course, there's also bloodlines out there and individual dogs that just slick tree a lot. And in the question, he also says a young dog. So my advice, if you got a young dog that's slick treeing, I would make sure for sure it's slick and not a squirrel and not a squirrel. Because especially this time of year, if the coon aren't moving well in your area or if they're really denned up, there are tons of squirrel tracks in the woods and the dog could just be getting bored and wanting to tree quickly and could be grabbing a squirrel track or treeing a squirrel because they do that a lot. Even if the tree the dog's treeing on is completely empty and there's nothing on it that would make you think it's a squirrel, squirrels do timber out or they jump to other trees. So if it's like a smaller tree it treed on and it's right next to a great big den or a tree with a squirrel nest in it, I would be more likely to say they're treeing squirrel nests or squirrels. I would also be careful about correcting a dog if it's treeing especially when it's young. I'd really like to know like how old the dog is, where it's at in its hunting progression, and if you're hunting it this time of year and also where you're hunting it. Because if you're hunting it in the deep south where it's not really cold right now, that's different. If you're hunting it in the north where it's zero degrees and the, and the coon aren't moving very well, that there's a big difference. So unless it's blatantly obvious, like it's just grabbing trees, if a young dog slicks occasionally, this time of year, it just might not be ready to completely put it all together yet. It's just learning how to do it. So if it's a young dog, I'd have more patience for it. If the weather is great, the coon are moving good, that's obviously not a squirrel situation, it's obviously not a den, and it's just running in there and grabbing tree and grabbing, and it's consistent over and over again, then I might correct it. And this is why I feel it's really important to have a strong bond with your dog early on, because if a dog slip tree in, or doing anything you don't like. And if that dog actually likes and respects you and wants to please you, the correction part is a lot easier. If it's doing something wrong, you can just go leash it up and take it off the tree and scold it and tell him no and move him on and just make sure he knows that he's not supposed to do that. More than likely, they'll start fixing it on their own. There's always gonna be dogs out there that just slick tree like crazy. And in my opinion, if they're just slick treeing like crazy and that's just how they are, I don't know if you can really correct that. I think a lot of that is genetics. And to me, if a dog's going to just slick over and over again, I don't really want to have that dog because I'm not in coon hunting to beat on dogs or correct on dogs or any of that stuff. I would suggest looking into different bloodlines if it is just slick tree and a slick tree all the time. I've been lucky and I haven't had to really deal with that much in my life. I don't know if that's the bloodlines I hunt or just the dogs around here that I get the chance to hunt with, but I don't have a whole lot of experience with slick treeing. But that would be my advice to you is just don't be too hard on it, especially you said it's a young dog and it's this time of year. So I don't know all the variables. I don't know where the dog is at in its hunting progression or how much it's been messed with. I'm not actually in the woods looking at the trees it's treeing on either. But just be careful correcting a dog on a tree, especially because it's young, its mind is developing, and it's just starting to learn how this stuff works. And if you start telling it no when it's starting to tree, 
you could really set that pup back. And that's my opinion. And actually in my Houndsman Spotlight series with Ricky Bryant, he's the handler that trained all three dogs in the finals of the World Hunt this last year. And he actually ended up winning it with his dog Lumber Joe that he was handling. He shared the same opinion as me as well. And so did Birchall Davis. All three of us agreed that you got to be careful with a younger dog and corrections early on. A lot of people get bent out of shape and really impatient and worked up with pups because they think they should all be running and treeing and be basically finished dogs at six to ten months old as you can tell by what i said earlier i've had dogs as early as five months old training on their own and i have a walker pup now that's about 14 months old just starting to tree they all start at different times and they all do different things but they're just learning and they're just dogs so you can't be too hard on them early on just make sure you have a good strong bond with the dog to where you can actually correct it and it actually sink in in my opinion if you make sure that you do your part letting the dog know that what it's doing is wrong if that dog has a chance to make it as a good quality coon dog it'll figure it out and work it out on its own i don't think you can physically make a dog become a coon dog most of this is genetics and if you have a dog that just slicks non-stop constantly no matter the weather or the time of year or the coon movement then i suggest getting a different bloodline but just don't get too impatient early on all right, the next question is from Official Fur Dog on Instagram. They asked if Fur Dog is thumbs up or thumbs down, and I will give them a thumbs up. They're a great social media page, and I encourage you to check them out on Instagram. Next question is from Ron Wilson. He has a three-part question. First part of his question is, which line of curs has the most tree-hard trait? And I've only been hunting with cur dogs for really about seven years. Most of my experience has been with something out of Thunder or that line of dogs or Jukebox and that line of dogs. And the train cur I have is out of Super Black Eagle. And in my experience, my dog on a Super Black Eagle is probably the hardest treeing dog. And that's that dog named Smoke I've posted on here some too. But like I said, my experience in hunting with training curs has only been a handful of them. And they've only really came from a couple different lines of dogs. And really, if you look back far enough, they're all kind of related. Next part of Ron Wilson's question, he asked if I prefer to hunt a male or a female. And I really don't have a preference on that. I don't really have a preference if it's a male or a female or what breed it is. I just want a smart dog that is very accurate and consistent. To me, the most important things are accuracy and consistency. A lot of people get really wound up and concentrate on little quirks like track style and all sorts of goofy stuff you hear and see online. And bottom line, my opinion, I want a smart dog that is accurate, consistent, and if it can be a loud and quality tree dog, that's fine with me. If it's a hound, I want it to be really loud. I like loud hounds. I think that's a, a really fun to turn loose a hound and listen to it work and have it be super loud. But to me, the most important things are accuracy and consistency. And that's one thing I really wish I saw more people doing with their breeding. A lot of people talk about a lot of things and what they would want, like a perfect dog. And for some reason, brains isn't mentioned a lot of time. It's almost always hunt drive and like early starting seems to be a big thing now everyone's an early starting pup to me i don't care if a dog starts at one month old one year old or two years old i want a dog to end up in its life being consistent and accurate and if it's a hound i want it to be loud and preferably look good a lot of the other stuff i see online just doesn't make sense to me to me if i'm going coon hunting and if i want the best coon dog i can have that means when i turn it loose it should tree a coon that's it. Next question is from Sand Creek Coon Dogs. They asked what my favorite walker bloodline is and why. That's a really tough question for me because I've hunted with a lot of walkers over the years. As I mentioned earlier, the first dog I hunted with was actually a lipper dog. So lipper dogs are always pretty special to me. They're usually built pretty well, they look good, and they have great mouths. Like I said earlier too, I've also had really good luck with Trackman dogs. 
I know that'll upset a lot of people out there, but I'm just going off of what my experiences are, not other people's opinions. I know more recently the Wipeout Bloodline of Dogs has been pretty good. I don't know if I can really narrow down one specific bloodline I like. I tend to stick with a lot of the older stuff, mostly because that was what I was raised with and was around the most and what I'm most comfortable with. I'd say all oh, the current dogs I've seen go that are one of my favorites, if you're talking current bloodlines, I would have to say Birchall Davis's dog, Frogger. He has done a ton of winning this last year. He basically won almost every major hunt last year. And in my opinion, he has everything you'd want in a coonhound. He is super smart. He is built great. He has great markings. His coloring is really nice. He's a really well-built walker. He is super accurate. I've hunted with him a handful of times when the weather's the absolute worst. And every time we turn him loose, he trees a coon. I've seen him tree coon a couple hundred yards away. I've also seen him go about a mile and tree a coon. And he's not one of those crazy hunting dogs that every time you turn it loose, it's just going to run through with the country and tree a hot coon. He's just going to tree the first coon he comes to. He's going to go find it, and he's going to do it well. So looks and ability, he's got it, and his mouth is great too. If you've seen my video with him, I did on the Houndsman Spotlight series. It's episode two. He has a great mouth. He's a really good tree dog. He's really loud. I really like him a lot. So if I would say a modern dog, modern line of walkers, I would have to say Frogger's probably my favorite current stud dog that I've seen go. And hopefully my walker female turns out so I can breed her to Frogger in the future and get some pups. Or if I know they're going to be making a really good cross coming up, I'll just put my name down and hopefully get a good pup from him. So most of my experiences from back in the day when I was younger was Lipper and Trackman. And my current favorite walker dog is probably Frogger. And my reasons why for liking those dogs, it goes back to what I said earlier. When you turn those dogs loose, they ran in the woods and they treat a coon consistently. They were accurate and they were consistent. I never really understood how people could get so picky about the way a dog runs a track. I can understand not liking if a dog is just loose mouth and just barks nonstop. I've never really had a dog do that. I don't really have experience with that, so that's not what I'm talking about. But people, they get so worked up about they want a dog to do this and do that and run a track this way or do it this way. Or they'll make this great big long post on social media about what they want their dog to do and how it should hunt and what it should do. And there's about six to eight sentences that don't include the words treeing a coon consistently. To me, I don't really understand it. I think people overthink things a lot and make things way too complicated. In my mind, if you got a dog that is really consistent at treeing coon, and not just the first time you cut it loose, but if it trees a coon and then you recut it and it trees another one in that same woods or off that second recut, that's a pretty special dog. If you can get something that's really consistent and accurate, in my mind, I would stick with that and that bloodline. And to me, the current dog that I've seen go that's the best of that is AKC World Champion Frogger. So those are some of your guys' submitted questions from this last week. I hope that helps. And as always, if you have any other questions with regards to what I said, or if you have anything new you want to discuss, just submit it on any of my social media pages or on my YouTube channel. I'll get to it on here. I look forward to hearing from you guys more in the future. I really enjoy talking to you guys and answering your questions. It helps me think about things and become a better hunter, and I hope it helps some of you out there become better as well. And if any of the videos or dogs sound interesting to you that I mentioned earlier, make sure you go to my YouTube page and check out my YouTube channel called Clayton Stark, or you can just type in Stark Outdoors and it'll bring up my page. If you enjoy that content, make sure you leave a like on the videos and subscribe to my channel. It really helps me out a lot. Also, if you use Facebook and Instagram, you can find me on those platforms as well. On Facebook, I'm Clayton Stark, Stark Outdoors. That's my page. And on Instagram, my handle is Stark underscore outdoors. Those are all good ways to reach me with any comments, questions, or concerns. And like I said, I really look forward to hearing from you guys. I appreciate all your support, and I really enjoy talking to you. So I hope to hear from you soon, and I'll talk to you next week.
You end up treeing seven tenths of a mile. I had my light on coming in and he had another coon, so. Turned him loose three times, he had three coons. Ah, 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 ah,